Welcome, everybody, to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in. We are a podcast of Burn Orange Nation, and you can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at burnorangenation.com. If you like what we do, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. It helps get the show out there. Share this with your friends wherever you found it, whether it was Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, anywhere where you find fine podcast content. You can find Kyle and myself. Connect with us on social media at Longhorn Pod on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, the Longhorn Republic. Or shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. My name is Gerald Goodridge. I'm your host this week, like I am every week. And I'm joined by a man who's celebrating one of the highest of high holidays, 9-20-21, Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you? Oh, I appreciate that setup. That's beautiful. The uh, official Spurs Day, the last of the Spurs combinations of Parker Ginobili and uh, and Duncan that we can celebrate as a as a holiday. We're gonna have to get creative on how to do these from here on out. Um, yeah, that's uh, it was good to go down memory lane and, and 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 watch a couple old highlights. Ginobili, Tim Duncan, Tony Parker, the glory days. Yeah, basketball's not even worth watching anymore. Uh, <laughs> that's not true. There's some good stuff. Kevin Durant's in there, but yeah, this uh, that's that's a good one. I wasn't sure, Gerald, uh, if if you were going to go with a, a salt and pepper uh, joke to start it off, but uh, you know, I guess the, the smooth transition would be we get to talk about rice, and they pushed it real good. Uh, at least UT did against rice. So uh, yeah, exciting, exciting, exciting. Coming back after a win, always. One would say that rice's weakness. Is not men, but men in burnt orange jerseys. Side note, that's a, also a salt and pepper reference. But For a second, I thought you were quoting of rice and men, Gerald. I thought you were getting scholarly on me, but it was just salt and or pepper. But go on. Yes. Here I go. Here I go. Here I, here I go again. Let's talk about some sports. All right. So we're going to talk about rice, obviously, off the top. Texas took care of business against the Owls on Saturday. A lot of action on campus. Bunch of sports in action the best time of the year one of the best times of the year is just where everything starts to kick off so we'll talk about that and we'll down the 40 we'll bang the drum to close it out but we'll start off the top texas like you're supposed to washed the rice and then cooked it washed them and <laughs> cooked them texas um jumped out to a big lead and, and just did what you're supposed to do against a team that you're way more talented than leaned on them for four quarters to the tune of 58 to nothing, 58 American points to nil. Texas got it done on the ground, primarily 427 net rushing yards on 41 attempts to actually break a school record of 10.4 yards per carry. That's the highest yards per carry total in a game. Texas had not one, not two, not three, not four, but five rushers get significant carries, four of which scored a touchdown, three of which had a touchdown longer than 60 yards. You could throw superlatives on it, but Texas, after getting really embarrassed in the on the ground game uh, a week ago against Arkansas, put it seemed like they were they were intent to get the ground game going against Rice. For sure, Gerald. What's the most impressive thing you can do at at half or three quarter speed? Like I, I'm just trying to think without going full speed. The most impressive thing that you can still do. Oh man, I, I'm not impressive at all. I I got nothing. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. The fact that. He had, you know, 13 carries, 127 yards. A little little uh, struggle getting the wheels going there at the beginning, but um, certainly not towards the end. But his, his, you know, highlight signature long run 
it, it looked like he was playing a video game and never hit the turbo button. He was just jogging and was still past everyone. He obviously had a guy he he spun around with some footwork and uh, and then just you know jogged into the end zone. It just looked like he he didn't want to break a sweat. He was saving it for the um, for the you know the, the post game uh, let's dance off. I don't know. I don't know what, what the energy was conserved for future of the season. But I mean, just to do something and make it look that easy. We, there was a guy who. I played high school football with uh, Gerald did as well, uh, who actually was a, a all American and, and played at the University of Texas briefly. Uh, a guy named James Henry, who I grew up playing with and loved, and and the thing about him that recruiters and everyone uh, marveled over was he never looked like. He was the fastest guy in the field, but all of a sudden on every tape, he ran away from everyone, right? It, it, it didn't look like he was struggling. He glided. He was actually faster <clears throat> in pads on the football field than even his 40 times suggested. But again, when you watched him run, he never looked like he was the fastest, but somehow the yards between him and everyone else grew. And that's basically what you get with Bichon. Um, it never looked like he was breaking a sweat on his long run. And I don't know, just that grace that, that he runs with. He has so many wrinkles to his game anyways. Um, interesting stat that I liked. He uh, crossed 1,000 yards in this one. He's done it on just 138 carries, which is just ridiculous. I mean, that, like, man, 7.3 to get to 1,000 yards, 7.3 yards per carry is nuts. Um, basically, through... 12 games he's the fastest player to do it since Jamal Charles through 12 games Cedric Benson had 1100 Ricky Williams at 990 Earl Campbell was right around the same at 1019 but basically they were Benson at 4.6 Ricky at 6 and Earl at 5.5 per so averaging over seven a touch on the ground just stupid lets you know the ceiling is immense for Bijan the ceiling is really high and I think we've got an opportunity to see two guys with really high ceilings because texas now actually has two thousand yard rushers uh to its name actively playing roshan johnson uh who kind of he didn't see the see a ton of action but the action he got was uh, explosive <laughs> three carries 112 so 37.3 <laughs> yards per carry granted 72 of that came on one run. It was an incredible uh, wildcat. He did some high steps to avoid uh, a shoestring tackle. And, and it seems like that's a package that Texas is going to use more and more frequently. I think we'll probably see it come out in full force in three weeks in, in uh, October in Dallas, likely, is where I think we'll see a lot of that come in. And I think you know what? Run it all. No, don't run it all game because Casey's good. But, like, use that early and often because I think Roshan is a, is a weapon back there. And I think you'll probably see him throw a pass from that position because if you don't remember, three years ago, Roshan was a quarterback. So just keep that keep that in your back pocket. Um, the guy that I was honestly really surprised by was Keelan Robinson. And not surprised, but I knew he was fast. Yeah. But Keelan Robinson is an – I haven't seen a guy like this on the Texas roster, at least it feels like in, in a long time. Keelan Robinson's a guy that I like to call faster than geometry, where a guy yeah. has a good angle at you, and he's like, no, you don't. I'm faster yeah. than Pythagoras. I will get there before you can. <laughs> and that was what he did on that big 65-yarder he cracked, was he just – he found a seam, and he was in top gear in three or four steps, and there was not a person in that stadium that would catch him. And that was really what was the most impressive for me from this running back group was was him. And then we'll talk about, our, obviously, Jonathan Brooks in just a minute. But, like, Keelan Robinson is a yeah. dude, like a real yep. bona fide dude. Yeah, I, I think – I mean, I, I watch European soccer, and a lot of times they will show um, – 
player's highest miles per hour reached in a game. They'll show distance traveled. They wear the trackers under their shirts. They'll show distance traveled and highest miles per hour. I'm I'm legitimately curious what Keelan Robinson got to on that touchdown run when literally it was like, oh, that's a good little 13-yard run. And then all of a sudden he just like magicked through <laughs> it just by going so fast that, that hands couldn't. Uh, be placed upon him. I mean, I, I would legitimately estimate he's at 23, 24 miles an hour as a human being. Again, not a uh, large uh, jungle cat, but as a human, um, that's a that's a lot of miles per hour. Um, again, I'm, I'm purely guessing, but it just it, it was it was unreal. He's a guy who's who, without a doubt, going to need to get more touches. But again, you're talking about right now the third running back we're talking about, which is a great problem to have. We knew it coming in, um, but just you know, if whether it's getting him. Uh, out in the slot on kind of reverse and motion packages, whether it's just, you know, running two back and alternating who the second back is, um, or, or just, you know, getting him packages where he is the, the, the featured back. I think um, he has shown that he, he certainly has earned some more, but again, Roshan who <laughs> did everything right also did. So how do you take away from Bijan? Who's, who's your best player with these two guys we're talking about? Um, it, that's a good problem. It's one of those good problems, but yeah, it would be interesting to see. I think without a doubt, uh, anyone who watched that game knows that that uh, both Robinsons need to, to keep touching the ball and uh, and a Roshan in the mix. And we mentioned it, you know, in the preseason, Keelan's a guy who will line up in the backfield, then they'll split him out at receiver, and and that's something that we've seen Sark do already. He did it two weeks ago against Louisiana, is to use motion to create favorable matchups in the run game and the pass game. And so I wouldn't be shocked after people saw what Keelan can do to get him in a look like that, where he's lined up in the backfield, maybe do a two-back set and have him motion out in the backfield, move a linebacker out, and then run the inside zone that they had a lot of success with, trying to have a lot of success with as of late. So I'd love to see that happen. Something else that uh, we do have to talk about is the man, the myth, the legend, JB2K. Jonathan Brooks got in the game. <laughs> he actually had the second highest number of carries behind Bijan. Got some action late. Six carries, six, uh, nine carries, 63 yards, and a 25-yard touchdown so it's good to see one of the you know it's rice right but one of the things that was a knock on him coming out of high school was like can he make the jump from mm. Hallettsville to big 12 and the answer or at least the answer at least is is yes as it stands right now yeah as, as a freshman playing right and that's an interesting thing we said this in the in the preview uh, what we wanted to see and then in our you know immediate uh, live stream afterwards just you know got to see some guys who we'd been wanting to see make the jump and play college football and, and some freshmen contributing. And that's a great thing when we're talking about guys, you know, we're now talking about running back four. We, we, yeah. we can mention Gabe Watson at running back five as well. I guess poor Daniel Young, I guess, is running back six. But well, there's we're talking deep down a, a depth chart here, but uh, that's great. That's what we wanted. Um, but Brooks really looks like, I think there was, the thing on him was, you know, he, he's not the single fastest guy. We just talked about Keelan Robinson and game-changing, game-breaking Jamal Charles, like, speed um and, and you talk about you know Bijan who's just so languid and and the way that he's strong and also dips and dives so people wondered what is Jonathan Brooks single physical attribute in high school and and you know the knock on him for those who didn't have him ranked as highly in recruiting rankings was he doesn't have one except the guy just doesn't get tackled he knows how he's he has a killer instinct he knows like some guys just know how to play football yeah. and it's very clear from Jonathan Brooks first real major carries at the college level that after the guys higher up on that depth chart are playing on Sundays or have moved uh, on in their careers that Jonathan Brooks is going to be a dude he just knows how to play football um he, he you know 
Gerald has been banging this drum. I will give you all the credit. Uh, maybe a quarter of a Podstradamus point on this one because you called it. it early. Often he was like a, a, a normal, not even like especially radiant three-star at the time. You started just telling everyone to watch this kid, and that star kept growing, and his his you know stats obviously exploded with like, I think, not even kidding, had like 70-something touchdowns his senior year. Just yeah. stupid. Um so, yeah, really, really excited for the future with him. <clears throat> Again, hopefully this isn't the last game that we see, um, and not just Kansas, but multiple, where we get four running backs who, who get some touches, right? Get down the depth chart. When I think of Jonathan Brooks, and we'll, we'll wrap up the RB4 talk here in just a minute, but, like, there was, this, there was this LeBron James commercial when he first came out of high school when they were calling him the chosen one, and there's a preacher talking. So said, the chosen one asked for court vision, and that's what I think of when I think of Jonathan Brooks. That's his superpower, is he could just <laughs> see the seams. It's really incredible. He make, The way he can find spots and put his body in there, really incredible. We do have to talk, not about RB4, but QB1. Um, Casey Thompson took over. The starting job officially and looks solid in his outing. Uh, 15 of 18 for 164 and two scores. He did throw an interception. I am going to, I am not going to put that completely on him because of the massive blast to the face that he took as he threw that. Maybe he should have tucked it and held onto it rather than thrown up a prayer. But, um, you know, that was not necessarily a great look for him. The offensive line uh, still gave up a couple of sacks, um, you know, or a sack and then a couple of a tackle for loss. Uh, but the off- offensive line looked better against Rice, so you should look better against against Rice. Yeah. Um, but Casey took advantage and really looked like he was in command and control of the offense uh, from wire to wire. Yeah, basically take that one out where he he had the deep shot. If he could have gotten it off, his eyes lit up. I know why he wanted to throw it. Um, but again, maybe you don't try to. Yeah, maybe you don't throw that, but take that play out. Basically, he had two incompletions all game. He was ultimately fifteen for eighteen hundred sixty four and two touchdowns. Um, just looked like the guy. Basically, that interception. Other than that, Texas scored on every possession. But you know, you, the ones he was in, they they scored. So um, good for him. Um, good for you know. The whole team, just confidence settled. This was his first start um, in multiple years. And, you know, no jitters, no, no, uh, nothing. You got to play the team that's out there across from you. And he did. And he, you know, he looked like QB1. And I think, again, that confidence building, that team playing, you know, with him, for him, and, and behind him, hopefully will just roll up, get better as you head into next week and head into Big 12 play. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think. All in all, you knew you weren't going to see a ton. You knew you weren't going to learn a ton about who Casey is, what he can do at his peak um, in this game. But I do think you saw some good things from him, some some good throws. And, and um, you know, you ultimately saw a guy who is good. And we knew that. And we're going to see a little bit more next week. And, I, you know, he'll be starting next week. Uh, it sounds like so. Um, I, I thought all in all a good game for Casey. Exactly kind of what you wanted to see. It was in command of the offense. I don't know how else to say it. He ran the offense. Mm-hmm. He found there was a there was a quote uh, from Bijan today at media availability where I think the the thing that 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 he brings to the table is he uh, he saw the alignment as they broke the huddle of the defense and said you're going to go for a score on this and that yeah. was the big one that Bijan cracked yeah. off the 62 yarder which just speaks to the level of preparation that we know Casey Thompson has and yep. it's it's easy to overblow it over talk that and over hype that but that was one of the big talking points is that he brings the classroom to the field and I think that is is kind of exemplary of it and you know the coaches can name a starter all you want but uh, Xavier Worthy has said it Bijan Robinson has said it that there's just something different about when he's in the game and so 
I'm I'm gonna go with and again we said it last week. Whoever the quarterback is, I want them to put a stranglehold on it Absolutely. and just and just end this conversation. And yep. one week in, we haven't really heard much of a of a quarterback controversy again. And if Texas continues to win or at least looks good throughout the next several games, then I think we may be able to put this conversation to bed pretty quickly. Yeah, a lot has been said about his prep. Uh, there's been you know conversation about even when he was not named the starter, he was asking guys to stay after practice, throw routes. Like, I mean, he, he is there's never going to be on on work on, you know, being able to break down film, consume it and and translate that to the field. So that that is exciting. I think, um, you know, I, like like you said, he the best thing for Texas, we said in this podcast three or four times is whoever that is, if it's Casey right now, um, that, that it's Casey the rest of the season. That means he's done everything he needs to do to secure that, never let it go. Um, and, and again, that probably means we're having a pretty good offensive season. Absolutely. And I think that's going to be, again, if it was Hudson, that would be my, my hope and my yeah. prayer is that whoever Absolutely. has it, just put a stranglehold on it and keep it moving forward. The other thing we have to talk about when we talk about the offense is the move to get Xavier Worthy involved mm. early and often. Seven receptions, 88 yards. I almost This was almost a Podstradamus miss for me because I spent a lot of time thinking he would get 100, so I'm glad I didn't go for that, but that's fine. Uh, seven receptions for 88 yards and a score. He broke a bunch of tackles. Probably the highlight real play for him was a fourth and three. Mm. He It was an option route, again, one that he had worked on with uh, Casey Thompson in, in in practice and in uh, in extra throwing sessions, and he called the uh, he he made the right choice, broke a tackle, broke another tackle, and went for thirty one to set up a score. He returned a punt for twenty nine yards. He's a guy that uh, Sark said in his media availability that he wasn't ready to wait his turn. And I think Xavier Worthy <laughs> Xavier Worthy continues to prove that he's probably the best receiving option on the team at this point. I, I think so. I think um, was a big big get for us um, and seven catches on eight targets. Right? Right. So um, most of the balls thrown his way. And I, I, oh, I wonder if that target on the deep one is his, his eighth target, um, but basically caught everything, which is which is great because, again, hands are good. But we knew what he can do with the ball in his hands afterwards. It actually was interesting on one of those returns you were you were mentioning. He basically had more. He had a good return, um, but kind of got turf monstered. And you just saw him slap the ground angry when he got up because he's a guy who, who has the ability and wants to just take off with one and, and, and be gone. Um, and, and you love to see that from a freshman kid. The other receiver of note who caught all three of his targets was Jared Wiley. I was excited to see. They said he'd be healthier this week, had a touchdown on a wheel route, a 20 yard touchdown, had two other short kind of couple yard catches, but basically, um, that, that touchdown was great. You like to see him. He's a big target when he gets open like that, it's hard to miss him. Um, and he's got the hands to do it. So, um, his health I think will be good and offer us some more dynamicism at that, that tight end, uh, position going forward. Um, Cavante Dixon had a, had a 22 yard catch. Josh Moore had a 22 yard catch. Um, and, and a guy who, who didn't show up a ton in the, in the box score, but who blocked his butt off in, in addition to Cavante Dixon, who blocked well, uh, on the Jonathan Brooks touchdown, um, was Marcus Washington, um, who I, a guy who is probably right now, one of our, and admittedly Xavier Worthy is also one of our better blocking receivers so far in all the tape of him this year which is not something I expected from the smaller guy Uh, but he is physical but Marcus Washington has probably been our best blocking receiver and that just opens up so many other things when you have a guy who's gonna grind it out put his nose down and block dudes and let guys behind him you know spring for yards let running backs go I mean that just that drives an offense doesn't show up in the box score but I just wanted to call that out because I think that's uh, you know that that means a lot and it doesn't get noticed by everyone but it, it it certainly 
certainly is is a huge component to successful offense. Yeah, and and you know, wide receivers blocking at the second level is what gets you those big plays, gets you those spring plays. And so and it's part it's part of the offense. It's it's one of the often overlooked part of the offense, part of the offensive game plan. But I think that's something that even Jordan Whittington didn't show up a ton on the stat sheet, but he he was there and he was engaged and he was able to uh put his man up, you know, keep his man out of the play, which is part of what you need from your from your uh, your wide receivers as you try to establish the ground game. And that's one of the things that I think we'll continue to see Texas over the next several weeks, especially as they go Texas Tech, they go to TCU or they they host Tech, uh, Tech TCU and OU. And so um, it's going to be interesting to see how that works. I think Texas can if they can if they if the line can hold up, which again, it's rice, but they looked to show some improvement. Uh, in this last game, they were able to to put some yards up. And if Texas can get the ground game going, there's a recipe to win these next three games. I'm not going to say they are, but there's a recipe uh, to win them. And I think it goes through uh, the zone blocking scheme that the offense has seemed to find a little bit of success with. Yeah, and, and I think um, it's talking about the kind of blocking success. There's only one penalty on the offensive line, only two penalties all day for Texas, but um, a holding penalty on, on Christian Jones. Otherwise, I mean, again, it's rice, but you want to, you want to look good uh, in against, you don't want any, any um, holes, I guess, in, in when you're playing in your superior unit, because you're going to face better defensive fronts than, than you yes. get in rice. I still didn't see the a plus game from them. I saw, you know, I'll give it an a because they sprung some running backs to get what they needed. Um, but the left side of the line is still interesting. I thought the second unit came in and, and played well as well. Right. We talked about Jonathan Brooks having success. Well, there's a second unit line there that was opening holes. I think, um, It'll be interesting to see what combination goes forward, if there's any changes from the original five. I do think there's value to just more than any unit in, in football, the offensive line cohesion, but it will be interesting to see if you if you make that substitution of, of one guy and or two guys, and is it a net plus to get someone who, who you know doesn't have as much experience but maybe is, is playing a little better or has a nastier streak and will get you a couple extra spring plays because we know this offense and college football of 2021 is based on big plays, right? So big plays take time to develop. If it's a pass, they, they need a seam. If it's a run, so you know, those big plays, we can put them on running backs, receivers, everybody. It's it's ultimately uh, offensive line that has a lot to say about those. Yeah, and the offensive line, the depth chart was released, and there weren't any changes to it mm-hmm. this week. So, I mean, I Sark is probably going to be from the Nick Saban school of, like, let's just not do anything or put anything out there uh, if I don't yeah. have to. And so I think the the thing that you're at, the bush that you were beating around is I think it'd be interesting to see Andre Carrick inserted into this offensive <laughs> line unit and see what that would look like. Um, I think that that left side leaves a little to be desired at this point. And so I think Carrick is a guy who um, he may, he may have, a little bit shorter arms than you want from a tackle, but he's also a guy who will put a hat on somebody and put them on, put them on their keister. And that's what I like to see from offensive line um, and offensive linemen. So again, I'm curious to see if, uh, if they're going to make changes at the offensive line, you need to do it soon because that's a group, like you said, that needs to build cohesion, needs to build communication, needs to build uh, rapport as they move forward. And so I don't know if that's going to happen. It will be interesting that we don't get paid to make those decisions unfortunately again if you want to hire either of us sark we can tell you what to do we obviously know exactly what to do that's why we tell you on the podcast but uh the the block of the night gerald was not from a receiver it was not from a tight end it was not from 
any of the multiple offensive linemen who played, the block of the night, Sam Ocho's favorite play of the night, at least he sounds so excited to see it, was Casey Thompson blocking for Roshan Johnson after he <laughs> reversed the field. Love to see your quarterback getting out there. I think the guy he blocked still made the tackle, but it was the effort. That's why people love Casey Thompson. You know, he got out there, uh, kind of tried to throw his body in the way, which is all you can ask for from a quarterback. So, uh, yeah, at least we got our quarterbacks blocking, baby. Create the culture you want to see. Model the behaviors you want the rest of your team to have. That's what leadership is all about. So we'll move on to the defense. And the defense played for a little bit of pride late in the game. It looked like Rice was knocking on the door. And then a man that I have nothing but love for, basically because he's one of those people, he's one of those 18-year-olds that looks like they're 48. Uh, DJ Harris uh, ended the game with a walk-off sack, which I love to see. DJ Harris has a high, high upside at that rush edge, and I'm very excited to see it. Rice uh, overall manages 284 total yards, 156 on the ground, 165 through the air 31 percent of that came on the final driver texas was playing for some defensive pride and rice was trying to get the sheet a little bit not clean but i think a big reason why rice's last drive was um less successful than it even could have been even though they didn't score was that by the time they got to that point in the game they were on their third quarterback they ended up playing jake constantine which sounds like a comic book character. Uh, but Wiley Green and Luke McCaffrey both knocked out due to injury. So uh, Constantine came in, went 12 of 15 for 80 yards. A pair of running backs, Kalen Griffin and Jordan Myers, had good games, good, not great games. Seven carries, 52 for Griffin, seven for 41 on by Myers. So again, Texas did what it wanted to do defensively against Rice. And I think the biggest thing for me is that last drive, right? That looked like a drive where, they like nobody would have been mad if Rice scored there. It's the garbage time of all garbage time drives. Texas has got probably its third unit in there defensively. Nobody expects that drive to really to matter at all in the grand scheme of things. But the fact that Texas played whistle to whistle, that feels mm. like something that we haven't seen from a Texas defense in a very, very long time. Yeah, absolutely. I think you talked about it. A lot of this game was culture game. It was about setting, you know, making habits, setting, you know, a, a tone for what you want both the offense and the defensive units uh, to be. Um, I think, you know, we talked about Casey and Roshan on one side of the ball. Uh, I think understanding who those tone setters are going to be on the defense is important. Um Luke Brockermeyer was your leading tackler uh, in this one. No, uh, no hate, no shade, but I did predict that Marvin Overshone might be the uh, the leading tackler for yet a third game. Um, again, he had four tackles himself. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I thought uh, Ovi, after having kind of a rough one against Arkansas, um, looked good. He had a sack, had a, had a couple, um, I think a tackle and a half for a loss, five total tackles, pass breakup, kind of filled the the the, the stat sheet there. Um, I thought Jaron Thompson was able to get that that fumble Bug. forced. He's a guy who's just real really interesting with what he can do again he's got lots of skills not, not one that stands out as he just does this but he just kind of is again a guy who knows how to play football all over the place um liked what i saw you know from him and again the timeliness of, of getting that that stop texas defense in this one not perfect but timely right they had the uh fourth quarter end of game stop to to keep the pristine uh, zero and again helped the 20 points per game average for for their coach um but uh you know they they didn't get the two 
takeaways. We'll talk about that. But they, uh, you know, they forced a couple fumbles. They they got their hands on on guys in the backfield. They they were vanilla, right? They didn't blitz. They didn't do anything special on this one. So I didn't think they were going to just end up with ten sacks. But uh, three sacks in this one with kind of a vanilla front was good. Uh, your boy, our boy, Mike Roach's boy, um, big fella, uh, supposedly quote eighteen year old. Allegedly. <laughs> Byron Murphy uh, got himself his first career sack, hopefully first of many. I love the comparisons people throw out to Roy Miller. Uh, people have have said, I, I just he he just looks like he's just he is exactly big enough. I hope they don't bulk him up, keep him where he is. You know, he's got explosiveness. He's not going to chase down running backs twenty yards down the field, but he's got an explosive, just strong dog mentality. Puna Ford probably uh, gets some some you know allusions to how he played there too. Uh, I think he might be a little taller than Puna, but kind <laughs> of a undersized, low center gravity guy who just attacks. I just I just love. I mean, this is not the first game we've seen him, even though he's a true freshman. He's played every game. Uh, he's a guy who's going to contribute a lot, but just a lot of guys on the defense. And again, that was fun to see all the way down, just different guys contributing kind of each quarter. Um, but yeah, I, I thought um, there were a couple guys. Again, I like Luke Brockermeyer being your leading tackler at the top of the stab sheet. Again, a former walk on, a Longhorn legacy. Uh, that's good. That's a culture guy for sure. Um, so I like to see this defense over the next couple of weeks establish a little bit of that, a little bit more of that. Um, who their, their tone setters uh, are because I think there's a lot of potential, a lot of possibilities on that unit. Um, so, yeah, all in all, a, a good, solid showing from the defense. The Byron Murphy-Roy Miller comparison that matters to me the most is Roy Miller comparing himself to Byron Murphy, <laughs> which is the best one. Because if you've listened to this podcast before, you know my love for Roy Miller and him scoring a touchdown against OU is part of one of my favorite plays in Texas football history. So seeing Roy Miller get out there and comment on the Young Bucks is just always great for me to see. So uh, Texas act quarterback three times. Again, we talked about that walk-off. Two forced fumbles, one quarterback hurry. A good knock. Th- this again is we've talked about it in week one. This is the type of defensive film that you like because you pitch a shutout, but you still got stuff to coach them up on. And and that's what we want to see. And if Texas can play with this level of intensity over the next several weeks, it may be a pretty solid, um, maybe a pretty solid outcome. Again, there were no penalties in this. There were no dumb penalties, no drive, no, no, what the heck are you doing penalties from Texas on the defensive side of the ball, which is something that they're going to need because their, their schedule outside of Iowa State is pretty front loaded. The teams that are going to give you a little bit of a, of a spook for the most part are early in, you got Texas Tech. TCU and OU, the next three on the schedule, three of the ones that if Texas is going to go sideways on any of these, it's probably going to be one of those three. We've got Iowa State late in the season, Kansas State looking like a sneaky good team, depending on the health of their quarterback, but that's neither here nor there. Podstradamus update, Kyle. It was an okay week (laughs) for both of us. Yeah, I mean, it, it, we took we took some shots. I think for for on on one of these for each of us, you know, we uh, we went out with bigger cojones than Cardi B's cousin friend, but uh, we uh, <laughs> we definitely um, saying that we would have two turnovers. I thought was lesser. I thought you saying we'd have a return TD was was um, putting yourself out there, but I could definitely see it happening um, again. I think Jameson had one against Rice the last time we played, so um, I was hoping we'd hit all four. But yeah, the the 
two turnovers for me. Um, I did not get. They had one fumble recovered, another fumble not recovered, a, a recovery of a fumble that was ruled an incompletion. Uh, I tried to argue that Gerald should give me turnover on downs, but I guess. Uh, you also argued I guess, for the blocked punt into a safety. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Bo- blocked punt into a, into a safety should should be a turnover, I think. So. Because it was but a I safety, take... possession never changed, Kyle. <laughs> I may have given it to you if they recovered that fumble. I will take I will take my uh, my lumps there. Uh, they they weren't as ball hawking as I really thought they would be. Like you know, whichever quarterback, and again, especially as Rice just kept going down the depth chart and pulling out like you know quarterbacks who uh, were somewhere on the depth chart. I, I thought for sure uh, we were just going to have like six interceptions, but Rice really didn't throw the ball like more than three yards downfield at any time. So they didn't want nothing to do with those Texas D backs. Uh, but yeah, so I did not get the two turnovers un. Unfortunately, uh, I did, however, get the win by the, more than 35. I thought that was uh, that was comfortable, right? The 44 points at halftime. Texas could have really run that one down their throat. I thought it was classy. They only scored 14. They really, that last drive with Gabe Watson probably could have easily gotten anything. If, if they would have let Hudson Card, you know, have a more open playbook and do some stuff, you know, they could have easily scored some more points. I don't think Sark had any, any desire to do that. Um, but more than 35, we certainly had Gerald. I was hype for you 200 yard rushers i think we almost got that in the first half my wife was knew i was excited by the roshan run but she was like why are you so why are you texting kyle so furiously i said because i could hit my first pot stradamus by the end of the first half it was a it was a good it was a good day I will take that that really solid one and one uh, point for each of us. I think well earned. Uh, and uh, you hit two hundred yard rushers. I hit win by more than thirty five. Which again, there is a dark timeline where neither of those come true. But I think as soon as both of those hit, we knew it was going to be a good day, and and it was. Uh, the, now the season tally keeps it close, keeps it interesting. Three to two. Uh, I keep my slight slight advantage. We know the real season and the Podstradamus real season begin. When conference play starts, we'll have some more Potterdamas predictions for you on our Thursday episode. That's it. Rice is terrible. Not the food, but the school. Texas did what they're supposed to do. 58 to nothing. What a day for Texas to start with a concert from Salt and Peppa and just season that rice all the way through with a uh, 58 to nothing win. Now's the part of the show where we hit all the other sports on campus and give them their moment in the sun and we down the 40 and we got to talk about again the best team on campus we'll start their number one volleyball did what you're supposed to do to texas a&m beat them three to one the aggies actually took set three texas goes to extra points at set four and one 29 to 27 uh logan eggleston just absolutely phenomenal next level transcendent whatever other we're running out of adjectives to describe <laughs> her 21 kills four blocks in it skylar fills 13 and four uh Brianne butler nine and three, Texas moved to eight and zero on the season. Yeah, one final tune-up before conference play. Uh, those same Rice Owls on Wednesday uh, before opening a two-game weekend series against West Virginia. This was an interesting one because they did this on the road in whatever you know they name their arena, Billy Goat Arena or something, uh, out in, in in College Station and. Uh, I, I went and looked at the Texas A&M women's volleyball Twitter uh, just to see, and they have been hyping the just absolute uh, crap out of this game. Basically, they uh, you know they treated it because it was a game against Texas at home, um, like this was you know a, a national championship 
of of football. You know, this they they hyped the crap out of us, and it was to their credit an entirely packed arena. They had uh, shirts printed up for it. Um, this was this was a huge huge deal for that Aggie women's volleyball team crowd. Helped them, I guess, maybe get the one set, but uh, very clearly, as in all things, there was a uh, there was a pecking order. There was Texas, and then way down here there was Anna. Imagine doing all that just to go outside. Imagine doing that just to go home with an L. Soccer did what they're supposed to do against an outmatched opponent as well. Over SIUE, 3-0 to get a winning record on the year. Alexi Misimo wasted no time scoring her seventh goal of the season in minute four. Uh, and that gave her a really, actually set a record uh, for her at Texas fastest uh, player in school history to reach 10 career goals. She has seven uh, on this young season to go with five assists in nine games, which is wild. Um, but she did have three in the truncated spring. She enrolled early and just immediately started taking everyone by storm. We all knew that Lexi Misimo was uh, was, was going to be good, and she did it from the moment she stepped on the 40. So fastest to 10 career goals. And only, only up from here, um, Trinity Byers also uh, got her fourth in the year. Again, another super freshman. You're basically looking at the number one and number two player uh, in their class in the country last year. Also, childhood teammates just happens to be. Um, so, again, the, the young Longhorns just just absolutely terrifying for the rest of the Big 12. People, let me tell you about my best friend. That's these two <laughs> ladies on the pitch. It's good for texas texas moves to four three and two on the year they kick off conference play against kansas state on thursday in manhattan before heading to norman to take on ou number four men's golf finishes seventh at the ofcc fighting illini invitational in olympia field texas finished three over par on the weekend cole hammer finished one over in the final round to play seventh on the weekend uh, was even for the tournament playing golf like a young Kyle Carpenter. <laughs> Maybe on Tiger Woods PGA Tour 2007. Um, yeah, uh, this is actually a stacked team out of the 25 uh, teams that competed. I believe nine uh, were ranked, or rather, sorry, nine teams there were ranked in the top 25. Excuse me. Um, so a, a stacked field um, coming in seventh. Um, you know, is is is. Not the start they want, but it is good. There's some guys playing well. They just need to get the whole team going there, and they got plenty of time to do so. On the ladies' links, number nine, women's golf places fifth at the Annika Intercollegiate. They finished six under in the final round to finish the tournament. That was actually uh, the low round of the day to finish it out. Freshman uh, Booyan Park posted a four under 68 to tie for 10th place at two under on the weekend next up for them the windy city classic in illinois hosted by northwestern cross country earned three top 10 finishes at the cowboy jamboree which sounds like a country and western bar but it's not i promise they finished fourth overall half tonight uh earned the top finish on both sides for the longhorn with a 23 54 in uh, which is good enough for seventh on the weekend which uh, that's that's some fast running for a long time. Yeah, absolutely. I just want to you know talk about the fact that we have a cross country runner named Half Two Night, which I love, and a freshman golfer named Bo Park. Um, I just I, I'm loving the names that we're bringing in here uh, in all the sports. This is good stuff. You know what I really watch these for. Um, yeah, this is this is all good. 
if they tell me I have to run eight miles in the woods, I'm going to ask, do I have to? Ha <laughs> ha, dad joke of the day. Nailed it. University of Texas announced its Hall of Honor selectees for 2021. Uh, Mike Adams of the football team was a three-time all-conference player, graduated in 1996, finished his career as Texas's all-time leading receiver uh, with more than 3,000 yards, 16 touchdowns, and 177 uh, receptions. Actually, was the school's all-purpose yard leader with 5,800 yards. Clay Britt. For the swimming team was uh, Letterman uh, in the 80s, Richard Duncan for track and field in the 90s, uh, Peter Gardere uh, in the late 80s, early 90s, the only quarterback in the history of the Red River Shootout to lead his team to victory in all four seasons. J.P. Howell of the baseball team, you might remember him if you're of a certain age. Courtney Ocolo from the track and field team, she won a gold medal uh, in the 2016 Bowerman Award, which is basically the like track and field Heisman. Uh, Toby Smith was a swimming uh, swimmer and diver swimming and diving letterman in 92 in uh, 92 through 95 bailey webster in volleyball in the uh early 2000 i said mid to late i guess in 2009 2011 2012 and 2013 uh nikki bush ziggler in volleyball in the late 80s uh and the 2020 class will officially be uh inducted or brought in this was kind of a, a class of big names that you heard of uh, alexandria anderson dj augustine jamal charles brad elder Erica Hansen-Stebbs, uh, Julian Fawcett-Johnson, uh, Casey Moore-Powers, Jordan Shipley, Heath Stark, David Thomas, P.J. Tucker, Glenn Blackwood, Ricky Bailey, Tom Penders. Huh, a lot to say in that induction. You got most of those names right, absolutely. The ceremony will be uh, October 15th, and they will be honored at the October 16th Oklahoma State game, so make sure for many reasons you show up. For that one, some names on that list, man, PJ Tucker, Tom Penders, Jordan Shipley, Brad Elder, Jamal Charles, DJ Augustine, Peter Gardere, uh, just some some absolute uh, Longhorn legends in there. Congratulations to the entire class 20 and 21 who uh, are, are both going to be awarded. And now's the part of the show where we honor one of the best traditions in all of college athletics, Big Bertha, and we bang the drum, brought to you by Joe Ruiz. So, Kyle, what are you banging the drum on this week? Well, uh, we have long said that the Texas social media presence is unbelievable. They are very, very good. I mean, you and I will will watch uh, a football hype video, especially in the the ides of march or the 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 doldrums of spring or or non-football summer um you know and salivate over it but uh i hope everyone is is taking the time to follow all of the ut official accounts they are so unbelievably good obviously they have an incredible photography team incredible video team an incredible just overall uh digital marketing and social Team, but if you're not following, you know some of the the other sports, you're missing out. Softball, we long have commented, was always incredibly, uh, incredibly cheeky, just uh, pitch perfect. They're they're just funny enough. They always have good uh, good roasts of other teams. But after A and M, as I mentioned in the volleyball piece, uh, spent their capital, their social media capital, uh, trying to get every fan in the stadium, printed up shirts, horns down everywhere. Um, they opened themselves up uh, for Texas Volleyball, who basically posted um, just just eviscerating and satirizing um, the, the, the 
content that Aggies basically handed to them on a platter uh, using the new Drake song, Daddy's Home, um, which I love that we've graduated from uh, big brother to actual father. Um, and again, if you look at the all-time records, it, it, it does it does pretty much spell that out, um, even going so far as to uh, take Drake had the uh, kind of iconic image of, of that album was the multiple uh, emojis of, of the, the pregnant woman um, in different colors. Um, and they basically took the opportunity to do multiple emojis of the thumbs up and turned it down after a night of horns downing. Um, I just thought it was chef's kiss emoji. Uh, perfect. And our Texas social media team, again, if you don't have a Twitter, go log on to Twitter, follow all of the Texas accounts, and uh, obviously at Longhorn Pod. Um, and just if you do those nine accounts or so, 10 accounts, 12 accounts, whatever it is, um, plus us, you will, uh, your life will be so much better for it. It is just absolute, absolute gold. The, the Texas social media crew is second to none. They're absolutely incredible. And again, you just, you've got to, got to, got to be following. So I'm begging the drum this week on name, image, and likeness, and specifically DeMarvian Overshone. If you missed it over the weekend, the man that they call the Arm Bandit pulled off a really awesome uh, NIL situation. So um, a uh, local car dealership in Austin uh, hooked him up with a vehicle, and he, unlike a certain quarterback north of the Red River, didn't keep the cars for himself. DeMarvian Overshone used his ability to generate um, revenue off of his image, likeness, and name to get his mom a car. And for all of the ills of NIL and for all of the years where Rhett Bomar didn't play college football because he got a free car for not doing anything, I love seeing stuff like this, especially because, like, I, you know, I have sons and I see them with their mom and I obviously have a mom that I'm close with. And so, like, just seeing the ability of these guys to not have to jump to the league early to provide for their family or to give their family the things that they want to give them, but to be able to now capitalize on the name that they're building and on the brand and being able to co-brand with one of the largest, the largest brand in sports today, the University of Texas, to do that is huge and advantageous. And I just love to see it. And again, shout out to a guy that you and I love, DeMarvian Overshome, for doing it right by mama. She sacrificed a lot. Your mom sacrifices a lot for you most more often than you would even know. So you probably owe it to her to give her a little something, something every now and again. But that's all we've got for you this week. Kyle. Where can the good folks find you on the internet? You can follow me on Twitter uh, at Kyle Carbon. You can follow the Texas Pregamer on Twitter at Texas Pregamer. You can follow the aforementioned UT Sports account also on Twitter. You should also follow to watch Spencer Rattler pull a Rhett Bomar and uh, legally get the cars on Twitter. Uh, but ultimately, you should be following the show on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at GH Goodridge. Follow the show on Twitter at Longhorn Pod. You can check us out on Facebook and Instagram, the Longhorn Republic, or shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. We'll be back on Thursday for your full Texas Tech preview. A lot to talk about for Tech. They might be sneaky good on defense. We'll find out. But that's all we've got for you. Thank you so much for tuning in again this time. And until next time, hook them. Hook them. I can go back to eating rice every day.